This is Moments with Foo with James Foo Torres, better known as Foo, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Moments with Foo is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Foo. Welcome to Moments with Foo. I'm your host, James Foo Torres, but you can call me Foo, hence the name of the podcast. And today I have CJ, the smart guy. <laughs> and I want to let you let him tell you more about, about why he calls himself the smart guy. But um, the, the big thing with him is, is uh, he's a CPA where uh, he focuses a lot on crypto and how to do the bookkeeping around all those different transactions when you when you're doing this this is a very new way to send money and to receive money so uh has a very very cool niche and he has a lot of knowledge and ethics to go along with it so it's not about just oh like uh, it's, it's it's a bitcoin and making money online and all that but it's, it's also like the ethics behind it and the protection so we're gonna get into that but uh first cj how are you i'm doing good man thank you for having me on thanks thanks for taking the time so let's give a quick introduction about yourself and your company. Yeah, so uh, my real name is Charles J. Kelly. Uh, I'm a certified public accountant based in California. Um, and I got the name CJ the Smart Guy because uh, a lot of, of my friends, they would ask me, hey, can you help me you know, with this test? Can you help me with this application? I'm trying to get into college. And so like, I would help them out. And so I've helped out a lot of people you know, advance in life and my my mentor Nipsey Hussle was like, "Hey, make sure you choose a name that that sticks with you." And so I was like, "Well, I've been being called the smart guy for a long time, or smart homie, or smart friend." And so I just put the CJ in front of it. CJ, the smart guy, is stuck. And ever since then, I say for like four years now, that's that's been my stage name. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for for letting us uh, know that. And and uh, you hinted there, and you, know, you you give us something big that for people that know Nipsey Hussle. And he's a big deal. I mean, even though he's 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 not with us right now, um, he's still a legend that a lot of people talk about, and and his videos are still buzzing everywhere. Um, so, uh, how how do you get that that connection? Just so the the audience knows. I mean, if they know him, I mean, for me, it was it was proactive. Um, it wasn't like I got recruited or nothing. No. Um, in '08, I was just listening to the music. I'm originally from LA, so I resonated with it. Um, it wasn't until he started talking about crypto in about 2017 that I was like, oh, this is something I got to really focus on. Um, and so I started focusing from his videos and he created something called Vector 90, which is like a platform or it's like an incubator for people to come in, do their business, network with each other. Think of it like a WeWork, um, but based in South Central Los Angeles. And so as I was studying for my CPA exam, as I'm you know, learning crypto, I'm in this area networking with people. And so my goal was to be his accountant. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, I passed my exam February 2019. He passed away March 2019. So I never got the sign off. But the actual work that I put in paid off later on down the road, I would say right around December 2020, when I became a part of the Black Bitcoin Billionaires, all the stuff I learned from Vector90, all the stuff I learned from the exam and the crypto stuff, it translated because he had a he had suggested that we go up to Silicon Valley um, because the goal of Vector 90 was to connect L.A. 
to Silicon Valley to connect the, the tech hub with the inner city. And so I went up there, I took a blockchain course, met with a couple of people. And so it was like, man, I was really a part of that movement, but I never really got a chance to like feel a part of it because by the time I was able to actually, um, you know, carry my own with my CPA, uh, it, Vector 90 shut down, opened back up for a while. And then when COVID happened, I haven't been back since COVID uh, shut it down. Okay. That thanks thanks for giving us that story and, and I would say that definitely worked out. Um definitely you're in a very good space. Uh CPAs are just less and less with time, more are retiring than coming in. So you're definitely on on a on, on a on a profession that, that it's needed in uh there's there's a lot of room for growth, for education and for impact, which I know that you you're all about. So, um, on, on, on that note, uh, what are, you know, giving, giving the now, you know, the crypto winter is kind of seems like it's coming to an end and, and we've seen some, a, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, what are some actionable tips or advice you have for people that are either in or want to get into crypto and, and make the most out of this, this new wave? Yeah. First piece is read the Bitcoin white paper. Um, before you put your hard-earned money into anything, research what you're doing. Um, the Bitcoin white paper is maybe like, I think, nine pages long. Um, at least read the first six. You know, last week, get real complicated when they start talking about Merkle trees. But, you know, like the first six, you should definitely read so you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and that should lead to a bunch of new questions. Because in there, you know, Bitcoin is basically a peer-to-peer -peer digital cash financial system without the need for intermediary. So when you're using um, an exchange like a Coinbase, you're using an intermediary. Bitcoin was never meant for that. Um, and so you'll learn very quickly, well, why can I transact peer to peer? Then you have to know you have to get a network. Then you have to know, OK, well, how do I protect my keys? It'll become instinctual what you have to do. But if you don't read the, the Bitcoin white paper, um, you're going to be listening to all the marketing and listen to the marketing. You'll be very confused and you might get scammed because there's lots of scammers out there. So read the Bitcoin white paper. That's the first step. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's a great advice. You know, that's a great advice, uh, to start there and to, to see where is it really, what was it really intended for? And then that way you can start discerning, uh, what's happening, right? Because Bitcoin's it's a, it's a bank basically. Right. So then it's like, well, it's not, it's not peer peer anymore and all that, right? So, in uh, understanding, I mean, I I, I have you know, safe wallet. I have some couple of the couple of coins in there that I got and things. And it's it's not definitely not not a simple thing. Uh, you said like it can become instinctual after you do it for a while and you get it. You know, everything just start making sense. But I would say to to the audience, uh, based on my experience, to really embrace the the learning curve, which is gonna be pretty big and, 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 and to have guidance. So that way you're not just overwhelmed with videos and misinformation. So start with the white paper. That was a pretty, pretty good advice. And then from there, join communities that you know you can trust and, and learn together and ask questions. And then you, you'll be able to then bring value as, as you know how to discern inform, different types of information and different types of coins and behaviors and 
and you can bring something to the table, right? But in the beginning, just embrace that you're not going to know anything. It's going to be confusing. It's a lot of little things. But then after that, um, it gets better. And then you start understanding uh, the the big picture. Yeah. And that big picture is huge. Like, um, you know, after you start studying the Bitcoin white paper, you'll naturally start to wonder, well, how is money? Like, what is money? I think that's the next question is like, well, well what is money? And, you know, we could talk about that now. You know, there's three tiers to money, you know, medium of exchange, um, unit of account and scarcity. Those are the three properties of money. But then look at what's really going on in the real world. Like, you know, some of these countries are coming out with central bank digital currencies, the IMF, the Internet, International Monetary Fund. They've come out with the digital handbook for these central bank digital currencies. And so money itself is evolving, whether you like it or not. Um, and then Bitcoin is just a part of the digital revolution that's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, eh, you know, eh, money can can be can be really anything. It's like currency, right? It's a matter of if, if, it's, if it's something that people value that they can trade for something else that they value. Right. And that's why, like, money um, has become uh, something that it's like a decentralized value. Right. Like I can have um x uh, let's say 10 tomatoes and you have 10 bananas but then it, to be able to identify if it's a fair trade like sometimes you know there's like the offer and demand the scarcity all the things that you you said so then the easier way is like to get it to a centralized thing where we know what the value is determined by the market and then from there you trade that for other things right so that's what really uh money is uh, and uh, obviously there's a lot of technicalities, but in a, in a nutshell. So uh, uh, understanding that now everything is digital, it's, 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 it's just a matter of time when, when we're going to go all digital. There's the, 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 the bad thing of now, like if, if everything is digital and then there's the central banks controlling everything, imagine then, oh, you don't comply to get the vaccine, then you can't use your money because we can freeze it all. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and that's that's another thing that you learn with when you go to to or like learning about the uh, reading about the Bitcoin white paper and all that to understand that having a decentralized thing is, is, is the protection. So because if it's tyranny, right, and there's a dictator and they just want to do whatever the power and they control everything, then they can we can become slaves pretty quick. So that that's something that that's the reason that I was very excited about. Get it, talking about this topic with you because I want to to make sure that we educate people together and, and so that way when things get pushed like people are educated and can vote and can do a revolution if necessary or anything so we don't get control enslaved what what are your thoughts on that yeah Bitcoin is like the pre the peaceful protest right like you know instead of going to war instead of fighting you just put money into Bitcoin and you you relax. Um, because unlike the U.S. dollar or any fiat currency, fiat meaning it's there's no intrinsic value in the money. Um, so gold actually has an intrinsic value um, to it, um, but paper doesn't. A one dollar bill, there's no difference between a one dollar bill and a hundred dollar bill outside of the number on it. Like it's not like your hundred dollar bill is going to generate electricity, you know, a hundred times more than the one dollar bill. It's not like that. Um, gold, silver, those have intrinsic value. Paper money doesn't. And so when you have a centralized co uh, country or a centralized bank 
and they're printing out money, that takes away the scarcity, right? Remember, there's three aspects to money, scarcity, unit of account, medium of exchange. Um, and so if, if they're printing out money, it takes away the scarcity. And we've seen this in a lot of countries in Africa where if, if France is controlling their monetary system overnight, they say, hey, your money is devalued by 50%. So just imagine going to the grocery store one day, you know, a piece of a loaf of bread is $4 and next day is $8. Like that's a crazy um, change. Imagine if you had your whole retirement and all of a sudden all the prices doubled overnight. I mean, that can wreak havoc on your entire life. And so when you talk about being slaves to the system, well, there's been a lot of countries in Africa that have been basically enslaved to the, the France system. And so Bitcoin is one of the ways out of that because there's no central bank that controls the money. Um, and there's only 21 million to ever be created. So there is no uh, problem with scarcity or inflation or anything like that. Um, and so when we talk about medium of exchange, it's better than gold because say if I want to do a transaction with somebody in, in Europe, like to send a gold brick, it might cost more for me to send the gold brick to Europe than it would be um, for the actual transaction itself. So it's easier just to transact with Bitcoin because it's done within 10 minutes and the, the transaction fee is typically low. Um, if you use like the Lightning Network, which is like application on Bitcoin, typically it's almost instantaneous and there's hardly any fee at all. Um, that's stuff you got to learn about. But um, essentially the digital, the digital evolution is already here. Um, the, in the U.S., um, the Federal Reserve that came out with something called FedNow, which allows for instant settlements, um, which is good. So a lot of these banks now, they're starting to pull back all those bank fees that they were charging people billions of dollars for because now we have a instant settlement, but it's still being controlled um, by the Federal Reserve or a central bank or something like that. Bitcoin is controlled by the people who use the actual software um, and it can't be reproduced. You can't have more than 21 million Bitcoin. So uh, you don't have to worry about being robbed in your sleep like some of those countries in Africa or like here in the U.S. when um, quantitative easing happens, when they print more money. Um, so that's why I like Bitcoin. It's a peaceful protest. No guns, no war. Just accumulate. Keep your cold wallet. Keep your private keys and chill. So one one thing that I I uh, I I don't understand very well. So Bitcoin has a limited supply of twenty one million. You said right. So, but they're still mining it, mm -hmm. right? Like not all of it has been mined, but at mm -hmm. some point it will. Mm -hmm. How does that work? And you know, we don't have to get super deep into the tech if it's super, you know, yeah. complex, but, but just at least give us an idea, you know, what, you know, what's mining and, and how does that work and how does that affect the price or doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. So there's 21 million Bitcoins to ever be created as of right now, we're about 19 and a half million, give or take, you know, maybe a hundred thousand Bitcoins. And so every day there's a certain amount of Bitcoins that is created. Every four years, the amount that's created goes in half. So when you hear somebody saying a halvening is happening, that means the amount that's produced on a daily basis or per block 
um, is going down in half. So let's just say that there's a hundred Bitcoins that are created every day. That's not the actual number, but let's say it's a hundred every day. Well, every four years, then that would go down to 50. The next four years, that go down to 25. Another four years, that goes down to 12 and a half and so on and so forth. Um, and so the last Bitcoin should be mined around the year 2140. You know, we're only in 2023, but think about that. We're already, there's only 21 million to ever be created. We're already at 19 and a half. So it's going to take over a hundred years for the last like million and a half to be generated because that having it just keeps going down in half. And so when, whenever, whenever you have a monetary system, Bitcoin included, when the supply is not being increased, but the amount of people that are using the financial system, typically um, the, the value of that asset goes up because now more people are using it and there's not more supply being created. That would be the equivalent of owning an island. Um, that land is that land. You're not making any more land on that island, but you have more people coming in. That means if you own a piece of that property, you can raise the rates because more people are coming in. It's the same with Bitcoin. As more and more people start using Bitcoin, the fact that you own a piece of this rare, scarce property, the value is going to keep going up. And so every four years, historically, after six months of a halving, you see the price of Bitcoin go up. But I've never been one to really pay attention to the price because I don't really care about the U.S. dollar. I care more about freedom and uh, being able to transact peer to peer without having somebody being able to control your money, um, which is what I believe a central bank digital currency is. So I don't really get too hyped up when the price goes up or down, but my clients do. So, you know, it's a good time for me. <laughs> so, so if you don't care about the price, uh, I understand that you care about the utility and, 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 and what it really represents and what it is supposed to be used for. Um, how, how do you, how do you do for, for like buy more? Did you just buy every month? Do you just like, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you go around, around this? And obviously there's always gotta, you gotta diversify. And so just kind of let us a little bit into your mind on, on how do you go, uh, approaching this? I mean, you focus on just yeah. Bitcoin or other things. Yeah. So the way I look at Bitcoin is I feel like Bitcoin is the money. That's the real money. Um, so I use Bitcoin as my savings account personally. Um, so I keep U.S. dollars about 45 days with the U.S. dollars at all times. Um, you know, so my rents are paid, my bills are paid, you know, my business is taken care of, my payroll is paid. But then Bitcoin is my savings. So if I have other investments, if I have stocks, if I have real estate, other things like that, that doesn't change. Um, I just don't keep a savings in U.S. dollars because as they print more money, the value of your savings is going to keep going down. The monetary, like the numerical number might be going up, but your purchasing power continues to go down. Imagine if, you know, a hundred years ago, you had been like, man, I saved a thousand dollars. You know, that was a lot of money back then. You could buy a lot of things. You could buy a house with $10,000 back in the day. Well, if you had saved that 10,000 thinking that you were going to, you know, buy something later, you take that 10,000 now and you could barely put a down payment on a house. So, you know, if you had bought gold back then, you'd have kept up, you'd have kept up with the value of the, of the properties. I feel as though Bitcoin is the same way. 
where it's like if you have a an asset that's scarce um, and an actual product that you can use, like utilization, then I stick with that in terms of savings. Uh, but if you want to get into, into real estate, if you want to get into stocks, if you want to have businesses, I don't believe in putting everything into Bitcoin. I just put, believe that my savings account is Bitcoin. That's not financial advice for anybody. That's just what I do. Um, and my clients, when they ask me, I let them know, hey, Bitcoin's my savings account. And technically, it's not in my name. So technically, I don't own any Bitcoin. Um, there's corporations that, that own Bitcoin. Like you, you get the Bitcoin on like under your uh, corporation, you buy it under a corporation. So we mean yeah, under a corporation. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of um, a lot of foul actors in the crypto space. Like I said, Bitcoin is, is meant to be transacted peer to peer, not through a central entity. So if you have like a FTX or Celsius or Novatech, you know, they file for bankruptcy. There might be some fraud in there um, when you're an individual. You can't write off most of that stuff, um, but when you're a corporation, you can. So I've been telling everybody for some years now, make sure you put your your crypto in a corporation because uh, this country is more business friendly than individual friendly. 100%, 100%. I mean, that that's why uh, I love the, the accounting and tax space because it's the language of business and, and, and having people don't understand the tax code, how to classify things, how to be proactive and really um, understand finances beyond just compliance, right? And, and that that's super powerful. And that's why I love certain clients that are in the accounting and tax space because it's been very beneficial for me. <coughs> Sorry. Good. I don't know why. I got something in my throat. <clears> throat> But... um. So, so what are some, you know, like talking about these things, I you know that you say to your clients, <clears throat> what are some actionable tips or advice that you have for people um, besides, you know, start getting educated when it comes to taking action to, to, you know, as a CPA, now that we're talking about accounting and taxes and we're talking about corporations. So maybe talk, talk us to how to do like strategic things you mentioned, Um, have a corporation. Is there any other hack or, or very important tip that you have for the audience to to make sure that, that they do? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the most simple one, right? Dollar cost averaging, right? Dollar cost averages, averaging, it just means you're accumulating on a, on a continuous interval basis. And so you would ask me how I'm accumulating. So for me, my corporation buys Bitcoin every single day. Um, whether it's $1, $5, $10, $20, $100, 000, whatever it is, um, it's continuous. And that's good for accumulation perspective purposes, but it's also good for tax purposes um, because in the crypto space, um, there is no wash rule and you can choose, um, you know, which Bitcoin that you're selling. So let's just say that you buy Bitcoin at $1, at $2, and then from $10, the price goes down to six. Tax season comes. Do you want to sell the one that you bought at one and have to pay taxes on that $5? Or do you want to sell the one that you bought at 10 and take a $4 loss and be able to offset that against some other gain that you may have had? And so a uh, dollar cost averaging 
is a huge hack. The hunter cost averaging. I haven't heard anybody talk about this. And um, but do you actually have to sell? Um, did you sell it? Sell it, or 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 is it like a paper thing? Or you know, just trying to understand. Do you do you when he when he comes like? Do you really sell it to make it to have the transaction for the taxes? I'm trying to understand that part. Yeah. So the rules just changed again. So if you're an individual, then you would have to sell it and rebuy it back, right? Um, there's no wash rule in crypto, so you can't do that in stocks. You have to wait a certain amount of time. But as of right now, there's no wash rule in crypto, so you can do that. Um, if you're a corporation now, you don't even have to sell it um, because they, FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, just said, hey, if it goes down, you know, you can write that down. If it goes up, you can write that up. Um, so every situation is different. But dollar cost averaging definitely helps out your CPA um, in terms of helping you either lower your taxable liability or increasing your refund. Um, it's just continuously buying it on a daily basis or weekly, monthly. But the, the more cost basis that you have, uh, the more beneficial it can be for you come tax season. Nice. So that's why you don't you don't really care because uh, you either uh, if you bought it high, you use it to write off. If you bought it low, then good. You got you got in good. Right. So it's just a matter of just keep buying. You know, that's one part that I I've never had someone talked about. So I told you, man, when I met you, I was like, man, I got to we got to get in the podcast. We got to do some stuff together for educating people, because if, I I know more than most people, I would say, to be honest, and, and I still don't know much, you know, and, and especially me being even in the accounting and tax space uh, as as a, as a marketer, as a CMO for a couple of firms, it's something that that I still don't know. So imagine uh, other people, right, that 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 are not even exposed like I am, and I've seen this a lot in in Puerto Rico and everywhere. It's they're so, I'm like, damn, like all these people don't know even like some other like ba more basic stuff and so imagine this is a little bit more um into the weeds of of money right because it's like uh the new new thing um so thank you man thanks for 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 giving us that uh, and, and and that's that's something that's something so interesting man like to to be able to like apply this is there is there any uh So for for somebody to make sure that they 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 are able to take to take this. So you said corporation uh, first, and make sure that you do that that cost average something. How's it called? Cost. Yeah, cost averaging, where you're just buying on a continuous basis, whether it's every day, every week, every month, um, but it's consistent. Whether the price is up or the price is low, um, you just keep keep accumulating. And then, so in, in when it comes to that part, then. Uh, did you set like how do you determine how much you buy per day per week um, do you change it depending on how the cash flow is going on your end or do you just have like a low amount uh, going and then sometimes it's higher like, you know just kind of understand that yeah there's multiple factors sometimes it's cash flow um, sometimes it's cash flow sometimes it's the price so for instance if the price is when it was at like $20,000 You know, you want to try to increase your dollar cost average as much as possible so you can accumulate more when it's lower. Um, so, I mean, it's I don't do all the trading. You know, I'm not a trader. 
um, whatsoever. That creates headaches. Um, but I do know if the price is up, like when it was around 50, 60,000, you know, I was like, okay, let's lower the dollar cost average a little bit. Um, so you might move it from $20 to $5. But when it's at 20,000, you might be increasing it to $60, $60 a day. Um, just however, you know, whatever your finances cover. And then there's times where your cash flow is short. So you're like, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta relax on it. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I got, you know, I'm, I'm in abundance right now. So, you know, how do we want to play this out? That's really where a lot of my clients, they come to me and say, well, what, what's the best situation? Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to map it out over a year and say, okay, you got hundred thousand dollars map it out over the year. Let's spread it out like that. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, your next big influx is going to be in three months. So let's just map it out for three months. Every situation is different. I think the biggest thing is just to continue to accumulate. And as you're accumulating, you're going to be having different cost basis and to keep track of all of those cost basis is what the cost that it, the cost that you paid to buy it plus the fees to, to own it. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. And then, uh, Let's now go back to, uh, and this is kind of like to kind of wrap it up and start coming, wrap it up. This is before buying Bitcoin, right? There's, there's the education. There's the, the oh, a couple of things that we've talked here to, to make sure that you do. But my mind goes before anything, you need to make money because <laughs> you can't even buy it if you don't have money. Right. Um, so do you ever get into those conversations with people and like, Hey, make sure that you make some money or even help them to route them to something and then being able to get on a steady investment investment. So I don't, Oh, I put my money in crypto, but I can't pay my bills and then I got to take it out and whatever. Right. So how do you navigate those, those conversations with people? So that's a great question. There's lots of conversations like that. Um, so sometimes I'll get like college kids that one, they can't afford me. Um, but they're like, Hey, I want to get into this. So there's a couple apps, you know, you have apps like Lolly, L-O-L-L-I, you have apps such as Fold App, um, you have apps like S-Miles, um, the Bitcoin Magazine. That's four different apps where every day you can accumulate some Satoshis without having to work. They also have like Bitcoin games, um, Thunder, uh, Thunder games where you can play Solitaire, you can play Tetris, um, you can play like a bouncy ball and you can get uh, small amounts of Satoshis every single day um, doing that. Uh, we're not talking a large amount. You could probably get maybe a thousand a day if you, you know, you're, you're working towards that, which like I said, in US dollars, that's not a lot. But if you don't have any other way to generate income, that's a very easy way to accumulate. Um, as well as with Lolly um, or Fold, if you're going to like Exxon gas station, well, when you buy gas, you can get a percentage back in Bitcoin. Um, if you're going to Walmart, if you're on Timu, you can get percentages back in Bitcoin. And so then you're spending money that you've already spent or we're going to spend and you're getting Bitcoin without having to actually purchase it. Um, so those are some very easy ways. And then I'm a part of a nonprofit called Bitcoin Transformation Community, where we educate inmates about Bitcoin and money and how it works, because unfortunately, the vast majority of people who are incarcerated are in there because of money, whether they were selling weed, whether they were robbing people, you know, whatever it was, most of the time people are in prison because of money, even if it wasn't directly, it might be a side effect. 
man, me and my wife were arguing because of some money and it became domestic violence. Most of the time people are in prison due to some type of money. And then when you look at how the prison is even structured, you know, the 13th amendment, they abandoned slavery, abolished it, except if you're a prisoner. And so you have private institutions as well as you have government ran um, prisons where they're profiting off of them. And so they might outsource these prison labor workers, you know, whether it's for um, license plates, whether it's call centers, whether it's cleaning things up. And so they're being, there's money being made off the prisons. And a lot of the people who are in prisons are in there because of money in the first place. And so this is a huge institution that's, um, that's a huge moneymaker for a lot of people. Um, and other people are being drained their life due to this. And so we go in there and we educate them, hey, you guys were risking your lives to make money that by the time you get out, isn't even going to be able to buy as much as what it was when you went in there. You, you lost 40 years of your life to generate $100,000. Well, now that $100,000 can't buy you a house anymore. And so for a lot of people, that's disheartening. And so we're like, look, you can get into mining. You can learn how to, um, you know, maintain other miner, other people's miners. You can learn about this new Bitcoin system. You can create books. You can educate. You can do all these different things. And a lot of people in the prisons, they understand alternative currencies more than we do here in the States that are on the outside because they understand about forever stamps. They understand about, you know, selling cigarettes um, for for commissary, um, things that me and you don't really think about. But when you're incarcerated, that's everyday life. And so we go in there, we educate them about Bitcoin. Shout outs to Justin Reddit. Um, he's the one who who founded the whole thing, um, as well as Stacey Boyle. She co-founded. And so he goes in there, teaches the people about Bitcoin. And so the people in there have been very happy because they're like, wow, there's hope. Because unfortunately, a lot of people, they get out of prison and there's no jobs for them. But in this Bitcoin space, most people don't care so much because it's like, look, take care of my miners, learn about solar panels, learn about hydro energy, learn about these things. And you'll naturally want to... Uh, to do better because here's hope and here's a blueprint. And a lot of people, that's all they need is a hope and some blueprint. And so whether it's educating them about the Bitcoin mining, whether it's about showing them, hey, there's Lolly, there's Fold, there's Bitcoin Magazine, there's S-Miles, um, you know, whatever it is, we're gonna give it to you. And even if you've only generated 100,000 Satoshis, Satoshis are a denomination of Bitcoin, as you are accumulating that, as time goes on, 100,000 Satoshis could very well be enough for retirement. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, I typically recommend every single person own at least a million Satoshis um, so that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you're sitting in the right chair. Um, just like there's 100 pennies to a dollar, there's 100 million Satoshis to a Bitcoin. So right now, a million Satoshis would be about $420. Um, most of us can afford that because most people look at 40, 40, $42,000. I can afford a Bitcoin, but you can get a denomination. And so I would say that, that let that be your goal. Try to accumulate as much as you can, put on your cold wallet, own your keys, continuously learn, and you'll be in the right chair when, you know, when things switch over to a completely digital world. 
you know, one thing that you you mentioned a couple of times that we haven't got into was uh, own your keys. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and that goes back to to you know uh, ways that we talked before uh, this call that we we talk about the the thing that happened with FTX and a lot of things. Say it's like, well, I have all this Bitcoin. I don't want to sell it to be able to use it. Well, let me take a loan against it. But then if the loan was uh, with the, well, now somebody owns your keys because of that. You don't have control of that. Then that's what happens. Like, oh, they go bankrupt. They go whatever. You don't have access to the keys. Then you don't have access to the money. So you lost the money, uh, right? So you, you can you just um, give us a little bit more about what the importance of the keys? Yeah. So for people who are investors, let's talk about like real estate first. So a lot of people, they'll buy a piece of real estate and as the value of the real estate goes up, instead of selling it, they'll borrow against it. Because if you sell it, then you have taxes. But if you borrow against it, you have access to capital tax free. The interest that you're paying on the loan is a tax write off. And so, you know, the interest that you're paying on that loan is going to write off the interest that you might be accumulating from something else. Interest offsets interest. And so. People want to do the same thing in the crypto and Bitcoin space where it's like, well, I've got this asset that goes up. Let me borrow against it. The difference in this space is, well, if you if you put up your Bitcoin for collateral, if they own the keys, in theory, they could just take your your coin and you can't do anything about it. That's what happened with Celsius. Um, that's what happened with Novatech, uh, where they were saying, hey, we want to generate some money or we want to take a loan out and we'll give you the keys then it disappears and you're like well, where's my money um we're dealing in a for the most part an unregulated territory right now um the government doesn't own it you know bitcoin is freedom money but with freedom comes more responsibility you can't you know claim freedom and then you know say well save me you can't do that like if you want freedom then you've got to be able to accept the responsibility of it. And so, you know, my guy, Bitcoin Zay, he says, no keys, no cheese. If you don't own your keys, you pretty much lost your money. And so if you're gonna take a loan out against it, you know, there are some platforms like Unchained Capital where, you know, you own your keys, but other people can see it also. Um, so it's maybe like three entities, five entities have access to the keys. Um, but to me, that's a step up from completely not having any of them. Um, because as a CPA, I tell people all the time, look, why would you sell your asset? Keep it. Let it keep going up in value. Just borrow against it. But in this crypto space, you have to be very careful and diligent so that you still own your keys. Because uh, some people still haven't got their money from Mt. Gox, FTX, Novatech, Celsius. The list goes on and on and on. Um, like I said, Bitcoin is not meant to be transacted with an intermediary. Um, it's meant to be peer-to-peer. But if you're taking out a loan, you kind of have to have an intermediary to make sure that the collateral, um, you know, works out like the, the contract is goes into effect. So just make sure you own your keys as much as possible. Um, if you don't own your keys, don't expect to own your, your crypto. You don't own your cheese, you know, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's sticking with me for sure. So. Thanks for that. And thanks for, for all the information, man. I, I know it's a lot. I wish that we can 
pack everything here, but I know we can't. And what we're going to do is we're just going to do more content together. I have no doubt of that. I already talked talk to you about that, some events. And when I have events, I'll definitely invite you uh, to bring that perspective. And and I know that's, that's the route that you're going anyway, right? Like with the thought leadership and getting everything in check with your business. We talk about pretty good stuff. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to to have a journey to, that where, where our journeys collide, right? Like I'm focusing more on the marketing side and holistic growth and self-development, but the things that I don't understand that well that I want to learn more is definitely the crypto. And I, I have a good a base, but, you know, keep growing in there. So that's why I want to surround myself like with people like you and other people that listen to this. Probably going to be like, damn, I definitely need to pay attention to this. So, um, you know, what type of people you're looking to connect and uh, how can people find you? Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on all social media platforms at CJ the Smart Guy. Um, no extra letters, no extra numbers or punctuation. There's a lot of fake pages made of me, and some of the fake pages look better than my real page. Um, so <laughs> just be aware of that. Um, I have an event in February 23rd and 24th in Vegas called the Blackout Event, um, where it's a conference where we'll all be coming together, educating people on Bitcoin, the evolution of money. Shout outs to Lamar Wilson, um, helping that together. Uh, the Black Bitcoin Billionaires, that's the group I've been rocking with for a few years now, about three years now. I'm um, just educating people around the country. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that's probably the best place to find me on social media or in Vegas, February 23rd, 24th, 2024. So uh, check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, thanks. Thanks for, for taking the time to give us all this value and give us a way to connect with you. Uh, I reached out to him. And it was pretty easy to to be able to to get on a conversation with him. So I highly encourage you to reach out if you have any questions, if you want to diversify and put some some investments in crypto, being able to have the bookkeeping taken care of the right way so it's optimized for tax benefits and for being able to get audit. It's a it's a it's not something that most like most CPAs don't even understand in the like the big the, the beginnings of it, right? So uh, having somebody like this in your corner, I know that I I know that I have you. I know I will use you at some point and also for my clients uh, or my clients' clients, right? Because um, it's also like uh, as I work as CMO for other firms, I know for a fact they don't understand this because I talk to them all the time. So I definitely got to bring you up uh, uh, when needed. So thank you. Thank you again for, for coming to my podcast. Oh, no problem. Man. Thanks for having me. So this was CJ, the smart guy and Foo. This is Sauce signing off. Thanks for listening to Moments with Foo with your host, Foo. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.